Hey everyone, this is Chris Benton with The Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we've got a great show for you. We've got Billy Osbrooks coming on. He's a motivational artist slash speaker. I guess that's what you would say, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> motivational artist. And, um, we kind of learned about him from YouTube. We've been watching a lot of motivation stuff lately. And on on one of the motivationities, uh, we've seen a clip of a bunch of different people. And he happened to be one of them. And I was like, oh, I need him on our show. Um, so I reached out, and here he is. And we're excited to kind of talk about his story a little bit and then and talk about what he does and see where this goes. So, Billy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, man. It's an honor. Appreciate it. <laughs> We're definitely excited to have you on. Um, as you know, um, COVID has affected a lot of people, especially in the entertainment world. It mm -hmm. affects what we do. It affects what you do. So tell us a little bit about how COVID has affected what you do and what have you done over this last year to kind of maneuver through that crazy maze? Um, the, the one thing that I've had to do that, you know, they... Everybody talks about the mask, right? We got to mask up and they tell us to, uh, you know, protect our, our bodies, right? But for me, the biggest part was protecting the mind, right? Putting this over our mind. This is where hey, we really, really need to, 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 to protect is our thinking. And, and that's been the biggest challenge, you know, to, to hear the illusions and um, the world's version of COVID and then understanding the God's version and how we're supposed to attack life. They, they're running contradictory. And it's almost yeah. like we have to choose which one we want to, to uh, align with. And, and this past year has been a struggle because all day, that's all we hear, you know, COVID, 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 death, 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 fear, fear, fear. And to do what, what I'm called to do, I have to get outside of fear. I have to be um, rooted in deep faith and, and continue to be aggressive in this time when most people are being passive. And uh, that's been the, the, the biggest um, struggle is to own the dark, too, to own the dark. You know, I, I had this massive tour going on, you know, had, you know, 20, I think it was 27 cities last year. We got 27 this year um, to navigate all the state laws and the COVID laws and the travel restrictions and, and meeting restrictions and setting uh, seminar tables up with spacing and, and all this stuff. That, that's been the biggest, biggest challenges. Um, not really knowing what to expect, having to own yeah. the dark. You know, sometimes uh, it was very, very challenging. Uh, for the most part, we dealt with it. We, I think we had two months that um, for the tour, let's see, April and May where we were, we were down. That was kind of yeah. that two weeks, you know, flatten the curve thing. But uh, come June, we, we were back at it going 120 <laughs> percent. And um, it affected the event. Sometimes events would, you know, what should have been 100 would be 10, you know, just people yeah. scared to come out. And other times I went to certain places where they were completely functioning like COVID wasn't even existing. And I'd walk oh, wow. into a room and it'd be 300 um, teachers sitting in there getting ready for, you know, getting ready for the school year in Texas. They, the place that, um, that I went to speak there, they were one of the only counties in the whole country that hadn't, hadn't shut down and hadn't really been affected at all by COVID. So I got to see both sides of that, you know, but it was really owning the dark, like not knowing what to expect yeah. and just trusting God with it and just continue Amen. to move and, and pursue. And, and that's been the biggest challenge. You know, like for us, um, we started the show January of 2020, a couple months before COVID happens. Right. And our original plan was a hundred interviews first year. I was like, you know what, if we could do a hundred interviews, we'd build a great foundation to the show. Oh, and then, yes. and then COVID happened. Mm. And I was like, I told my wife, I was like, um, you know, this may be our year to shine. 
you know, all these artists and actors and people in entertainment, they're going to need a place to talk. They're going right, to need a right. place to chat. I mm -hmm. think we're going to be that place. And because of that, we stepped up our game. We mm. did everything we could. We reached out to everybody and we did over 300 interviews last year. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. It, it, it's what I teach in the seminars that, that I do on this tour. It, it, it's not what happens to us, but it's how we respond. And, mm -hmm. and you've taken something that should have been a negative, man, and, and you've maximized the opportunities and turned this into a positive. And I commend y'all for doing that, being okay. aggressive. When most people are taking, you know, the, the foot off the gas and playing defense, man, getting on the offensive right now, man, is, is really where it's at. And you know what's crazy is like, you know, through this whole craziness, you know, we've got bigger people like we just had Sarah Evans come on the show. I mean, you know, and not everybody can get her on their show. That's right. That's but, right. you know, I kind of joke with Sandy. I was like, you know, and we don't want to take COVID lightly, of course, but we're going to, I believe that five, six years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to kind of owe COVID as a catapult to our show. Mm, definitely. 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 What the what the devil meant for harm, God made good, man. He put you in the in the right place at the right time, and and of course you you had to have the faith to walk it out, you know, and, and execute. And, and y'all doing it, and I commend you for it, man. It's well, thank awesome. you. Yeah, and it, and it's amazing when you know I've I've listened to motivational stuff all my life, but it's it's amazing how when you're in that grind and you do, you know you're giving it all you have, and you listen to the motive. It's it. The motivation hits you different when you listen to it and you're in the grind versus because mm -hmm. I spent years listening, listening, listening and doing nothing, listening, right, listening, right, listening right, right. and doing it. I procrastinated, 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 even at the mm -hmm. show. It took us a year to launch. I finally mm -hmm. found a way to make us launch. I, I was like, why am I not doing this? What's so scary about this? And I remember saying, you know what? It was like the end of um, 2019. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, my mom passed away years uh, back about six months after we married and her birthday's January 3rd. So I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to honor our first show with her and we're going to launch the first episode on January 3rd of 2020. And I oh, knew if I did that, make that connection there, mm -hmm. right, right. that there's no way I couldn't launch. That's right. And that was the start of where our show is now. What, you know, and talking about that, why is it that us as humans, we have these goals and we have these dreams because you deal with it every day with all mm -hmm. the people you deal with. Mm -hmm. What stops most people, would you say? Um, a lack of awareness for one of who they are. Like, you know, the doubt enters in, like, I'm not good enough. I don't have the ability. Um, buying into the, the world's version of ourselves instead of the true version that God made us to be. Um, second of all, not having clarity of like what we really want in life. Like, do I want that? Or do I not want that? What happens if I get that? Like sometimes success, um, people will, will hesitate because they don't know what success means. Like it sounds good, but what, you know, what, what if people start hating on me when I get successful? Or what if, you know, people that are with me now- And that's gonna happen. Right, exactly. It's, and sometimes it's that. And then other times it's the fear of failure, um, a lack of, of, of motivation, meaning, uh, a why, the reason why you're doing something. You know, the successful people know what they want and why they want it. And like you, you attach something like, okay, uh, I'm going to do this for my mom. Now that's a stronger why than just saying, hey, I'm going to start a, you know, podcast. And you're like, no, on this date, I'm going to honor my mom. So that that gave you that extra incentive and an extra reason to, to do what 
what you wouldn't do otherwise. You know, it, I, I teach this in the seminars. If, if you get a why strong enough, you can run through any wall. You just have to find the right why. When the why is greater than the obstacle, the obstacle ceases to exist. So we just have to find a reason to do what it is, whether it's to lose weight, whether um, it's, to, it's to restore a marriage or to become financially free. What is the motive? And what is the reason behind it? And is it strong enough to endure the tough times? Like yep. when things are good, a small why will, will suffice, right? We, we don't need much. When everything is good and, and life is great, you know, a marriage is great or finance is great, we don't need much of a why. But when COVID happens, when your body gets attacked by um, sickness, disease, or when the marriage falls apart or you go bankrupt or get laid off at that job, now we're going to find out, you know, whether you're serious or not, you know, and, yeah. and, that, and that's where we need the strong why. It's usually during those kind of uh, situations we, we find out who we are and what our, our why is and whether it's strong enough to carry us on through. And speaking of that, I remember one of the quotes I really loved in the past that I've heard many times is, is your why must make you cry. That's right. If it, if it doesn't make you cry then it's probably not going to get you through those moments. Because See, I went through 19 years of addictions until mm. uh, God healed me completely 13 years ago. But the first five years of our marriage was really hell on my wife because of those addictions. But, you know, through that, she never put me down. She never nagged me. She showed me the grace that Christ would show me. And sometimes when we tell our story, you'll have some nitpicking people that will say, oh, she allowed you walk over her. And mm. they don't understand that's not what she did. She allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. Amen. And I really believe that if she didn't do that, if, and God knew it when he connected us 18 years ago, this is what it was going to take. Um, God knew that it was going to take her pure heart to be the connection for me to soften up enough to finally listen to him um, 13 years ago where he finally spoke and says, you know what? And here's the funny part about, it. I remember waking up December 26, 2007, and I got drunk on Christmas day for the first time in my life. And I pleaded with God, okay, I'm destroying my marriage. I know this. I can't stop. I was like, I was at the end of my, I was like, either take the desire away or take me away. It's like one of the two is going to happen. And I remember hearing God say, just give him 30 days. Now I'm thinking, Okay, am I hearing things? Because I, right, you know, right, you're right. God. Why do right. you need thirty days? Right. And, and I'm sitting there like, um, okay, now I'm going crazy. But what I've learned, and I think you can agree with this, when you read the Bible, what I didn't know then that I know now, is every miracle was preceded by some form of obedience. That was Amen. just my obedience, and I've been Amen. sober ever since. Amen. See, you know, traveling um, around on this tour, I meet all different. Um, kinds of people and and one of the the major attendees that come to my my seminars are people that are in recovery either like currently right in the midst of it just coming out or somebody who's trying to continue you know to to, to uh, follow the steps and, and continue to to gain that victory and I have a special place um, for recovery in my life because my father I don't know if you know my story but my father was an alcoholic growing up um, on his whole side of the family every single one of them were were alcoholics my grandfather all my uncles different types of alcoholics but all of yeah. them were, were alcoholics and I've seen it go both ways I've seen it like you said there where somebody um, closed or somebody who you know was really understanding and loved a person back to recovery and then I've also seen like in my situation with my dad my mother tried everything um, possible to get him 
um, to, to, to waking up and, and to find, find this footing again from, from addiction, but nothing worked until my senior year, she filed the, um, the divorce paperwork for him. Oh, wow. But that was the last day my daddy ever drank the last 15 years, wow. uh, years of his life. He never touched another drop. He got sober, went through the programs, you know, year, year and a half, he got completely clean to where he needed to be. And then he went out and started helping others get get wow. uh, get recovery. So I've seen it happen both ways. As you said, I've heard that story so many times where somebody said, well, you know, so-and-so didn't give up on me. They just kept praying for me. They loved me back to God. And that's mm-hmm. what I needed. And then some people need it the other way. You know, some people, <laughs> they, they need to be pushed out of the deep end and say, swim or die. And, and my dad was one of them because we, we tried it both ways. But, you know, each person responds differently and God knows how to bring that person, whatever it is, whether it's the soft or whether it's the up in your face com- confrontation, he can bring whatever you need. He, he'll bring it and, and, and put it about and set that recovery in motion. Yeah, it's awesome. Most, it's awesome. Most definitely. So tell us before you became this speaker, tell us a little bit of your story, your backstory that got you here. Okay, for 17 years, I, I was in the music business, uh, rap artist, music producer, songwriter, uh, produced for Golden um, Platinum rap, rap Acts, and actually had songs on Billboard myself, had my own radio show. Um, I was immersed in what we call a Hollywood lifestyle you know chasing the the money the fast cars the houses the fame the fast women all of that i was just immersed in what the world called success not what god calls success but what the world calls success and um i had to learn it the hard way you know the the bigger i got in that industry the more success i achieved you know on the surface the bigger the hole on the inside i got you know i always thought if i had you know, one more hit record, or if I was on, you know, one more radio show, or you know, one more gig, booking gig, whatever. That you know, that 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 emptiness, that that voice that was on the inside that kept crying out with silence would be quenched. And no matter what I did, it just kept getting wow. bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, my entourage around me was massive. Like in that world of the music business, you know, everywhere we went, we had a you know big group that would go get the VIPs and ride the limos and all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of people around me, but nobody really with me. I don't wow. know if that makes sense. You know, oh, that makes the, total sense. People around me, but not really with me, and and I had to go through, uh, you know, the the discovery of of learning. Kind of like that, MC Hammer. Right, exactly. I, I just had to learn the hard way, and as many people that you know, God sent into my life to tell me, I just wouldn't wouldn't listen. You know, I just wouldn't listen, and uh, I didn't mind a lot of people being around me, like a lot yeah. of people in that business, because it allowed me to. Um, keep the distraction so I never had to deal with the problem. Like if mm. I got alone, I wow. was gonna have to deal with that silence. I was gonna have to yeah. deal with that void on the inside. And in and, and the state I was, you know, was in, I just didn't want to deal with it. It was just, I didn't know how to how to heal. I didn't know, how, I didn't have answers for myself. So I just ran from it. You know, I ran from this, what I call in some of the, the, there's a video I just did recently called Run From The Silence. Why do we run from the silence? Cause we don't like what we will hear in that silence. And, and I just yeah. didn't want to deal with it. But, um. Life intervened and God stepped into the situation. Um, I was raised in the church growing up. My mother and father, you know, put me in church and, and taught me the, you know, principles and the Bible and, and who God was, told me, you know, who he was and his, his power. But when I got around 13 and 14, they, they gave me the choice at that point. They said, OK, we raised you right. You know, but at this point in time, now you have to make your own decisions. It's a choice, you know. Yeah. And uh, at this time, I was getting into rap. I was getting into the street life, the thug life, as we call it. Um, and all my heroes, they weren't in church on Sunday. 
You know, the dope yeah. dealers, the gangbangers, they weren't there. So, I, you know, when mom would come in on Sunday, hey, you want to go today? And I'd say, no, nah, I'm going to sit this out. So from, you know, 13 to 14, I, I started drifting and doing my own thing. And um, I continued that pattern all the way up to the moment that my father had a stroke. My father had a stroke in 2007, about the same time you were, you were mentioning, almost the exact time. Uh, he died December 30th, wow. uh, 2007. So when you were going through yours, my, my father died on uh, December 30th with the blood clot right in, right in front of me, man, 12 days after he had had a stroke. He wow. was getting better, and uh, I expected him to get out of the, the hospital and, and the uh, recovery center that he was, he was in trying to get over the uh, lack of movement in his arm from the stroke. But, you know, God had a different, different plan, and he, I watched him die on a Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. I saw him in the last 10 minutes of his life. Um, a blood clot dislodged from his leg from sitting there for, you know, 12 days. And it it was the worst thing I'd ever experienced in my life. It was right up front, you know, close and personal. Um, and it was horrific. It was traumatic. But but at the same time, looking back at it, it's the only way that I would ever came back to God. The only way that I would be here today talking to you. The only way that I would be doing this, the ministry and doing the motivation um, the only way I would ever written my book, any of that, it all stirred from that situation. And when when he passed away, it made me confront that silence, the things that I didn't want to deal with. And um, so for the next seven years, um, it, I confronted it, but then there was also warfare. This is what I would say. Whenever, huh. whenever you're about to make a breakthrough in your life, when God's about Everything to Everything goes to chaos. Right. You, you, have to, you have to win the battle because there's going to be warfare. Wherever you can grow, thrive, or multiply, the enemy is going to attack. Mm-hmm. And right, as long as I was in the thug world, drug world, all of that, promoting that lifestyle. It was Never like got attacked. Yeah, it was like the it enemy left me to. alone. He's working for me. Leave him, leave my people alone. That's like the enemy <laughs> was saying that. But the moment I was like, enough is enough, Lord. I'm, I'm done with that. You know, you know, I'm I'm inviting you into my life. That's when, boom, boy, the, the war jumped off. I had a seven-year, uh, all-out World War Three mind um, warfare um, type of situation. Um, the way my my father died was so traumatic; it caused PTSD in me, called pan, uh, severe panic attacks. So mm-hmm. for the next seven years. Every single day, I had a panic attack. Every single day. I mean, and usually it was four, five, six panic attacks. It wasn't just one. I went from being on stage in front of 20,000 people with a mic in my hand to being in my bedroom locked up for two weeks at a time, scared to come out. Because the the only thing I controlled with these panic attacks was where I had the panic attack. You know, that. so I just locked myself up in a room, say, well, if I'm going to have a panic attack, let it be here. You know, otherwise I'd be, you know, say at Walmart in the line thinking everything's good. You don't want good. people to see that. Yeah, I don't want people to see that. And then I, that itself added another level of stress. Yep, it became me. another mask. Right. It, it, and it became, you know, I would worry in the line at Walmart, what if I have a panic attack here, which would actually cause one. So, um, you know, I tried to 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 function with it, but it, it just succumbed. You know, I just succumbed to it. It just overcame me. And the next seven years was just what I call the lost years, the wilderness, man. It was really where I went through the struggle, like really, really like I tried everything imaginable uh, to overcome it. Because, see, I had a strong while. I was trying to get my life back. Right? Yeah. So I, I went to six, seven therapists before I found the right one. None of them. Um, I really connected with none of them. I saw any change or any difference. I went to every uh, grief share program, wow. uh, ministry counseling, men's group. You, you tried I, everything. Yeah, I tried because my my why was so so uh, massive. Like I I needed to get my life back. This thing was 
horrific. You know, I don't know how many of your viewers know about panic attacks, but just imagine um, the time in your life when you most feared for your own safety, that like you were going to die, like right this second I'm about to die. And then stretching that feeling where I'm going to die, stretch it over the hours, you know, one hour, two hour, three hours, and have absolutely no control of when it comes on or when it cuts off. And you're just sitting in the middle of a nightmare day after day after day after day. This is what I, what I was doing. And um, I just lost everything. Like I had a lot of money put up from the music business. I had businesses all over um, the Orlando area, but not being able to watch them, of course, with the panic attacks. I, I'd go to work for maybe 45 minutes, an hour, have a panic attack, have to run home. Um, I said my last words to my wife over 30 something times, you know, like thinking I was dying, like, okay, I'm about to have a heart. I'm, I'm, my mind would play these tricks on me. Like I'm going to stroke like my dad, or I'm having a heart attack and, and I'm going to die right here on the spot and nobody's going to be able to help me. You know, my mom would play these tricks and I, I would look to her and I'd say, you know, I'm done. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I love you. And, and this is it. You know, and I said this 30 something times. This is how bad, um, this stuff had a grip on me. Wow. I'd lost everything. All, all, you know, my money slowly every day. It was like a death by a thousand cuts. You know, I had mm -hmm. money put up, but it was, you know, the money started getting tighter and tighter as the as the years went on. Of course, I mean, you're, you're talking about not being able to work at all. You know, five years. Of course, the the money's doing this the whole time, and and finally, what what happened was I got to the end of me. And that's where I really, really found God. Like I, I was already talking to God through this whole situation. He had, he had brought me back. But I was still trying to do uh, the healing and the recovery um, and the therapy like I, like, I did, like I did music and like I did business. Like grind your way to healing, right? Like I got to work hard in therapy and I got to, I got to do it. Like physically sweat, blood, sweat, and tears to do therapy. But that's not, that's not how it works. I needed God to do this. This was beyond me. And I almost had to be um, broken down to a million pieces so that he could put me back together the way I needed to be to do my calling now. And yeah. I got to the end of me one day and I was out on a prayer walk, um, like around my neighborhood. I used to do these prayer walks. It was like a mile square long block. So once I realized that I wasn't dying, because <laughs> when, I, when I would have these panic attacks, I actually would run to the emergency room. Like I ran oh, wow. um, to the emergency room 12 times in nine months thinking I was dying. Your insurance company probably hated you. Yeah, I mean, they would see me come through the door and they'd be like, here comes Billy. Like, they knew me by <laughs> first name. Like, that's how many times I was there, you know? Wow. But after I finally, like, you know, as the years went by, third, fourth year, um, I started realizing, okay, this is, you know, I'm not dying. I just don't know how to stop the, the, the panic attacks. So what I would do is when they would come on me, the energy was like revving a car just on the inside and you, you know, holding the breakdown, but just slamming the, the gas pedal all the way down. And that's what it was like. Cause I'd be sitting there, but my mind would be just racing and racing and my heart racing and all that. So what I started doing was going out around my neighborhood and doing this one, one mile um, walk. You know, I just walked from one end to there, trying to get this stuff out and praying to God. I'd be out there um, like on the first part of the walk, I'd be yelling at God, mad, like, why did you do this? Why did you take my daddy? Why did you take my money? Why are you destroying my businesses? Everything I work, you know, just that wow. whole why, 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 why thing. And then the next, you know, section of the walk was the guilt. See, the, the day my um, daddy had the blood caught and died, before that, the doctor came in in, the, in his room and said, listen, you know, to get your daddy back on track, to get him out of here, we need to get him back moving. Because if we don't get him up and moving and doing some exercise and get him out of this bed, he's never going to yeah. regain his function of his arm and his leg because he just you know, couldn't move at all because of the stroke. So he suggested that day, he said, hey, let's get your daddy out of the bed. 
into a wheelchair and roll him outside to get some sunlight. Yeah. We need to get him out because he's been here 12 days. We got to get him up and moving. So me and the nurse, you know, did what he said to do. We lifted my daddy out, put him in the wheelchair. But what nobody knew at the time was my daddy had a blood clot in his leg that got, you know, from, from sitting there 12 days. So when we moved him, we dislodged that blood clot. So oh, wow. it went straight to his lungs and he began to, you know, struggle breathing right there on the spot. Like for the next 10 minutes, that was that was the end of his life. It was just that struggle of breathing and, and all that. So when I'm out on this walk, I had this heavy, heavy emotional baggage wow. of guilt that I killed my dad. Like, you know, my mind would say, well, you know, if you hadn't rushed that day, if you hadn't moved him so fast, if you hadn't done that, if you'd, you know, all that. What if if I would have done something different, the outcome would have been different. So the enemy, the, the, the enemy was in my ear. You're a killer. You're a murderer. And you, you did this and that. And I'd be out on that block the second half of that walk apologizing to God, like, you know, what, who am I to ask for anything? I'm not worthy. You know, if I, if I, I caused all this and, and then the next phase of the walk would just be numb. Well, I wouldn't say anything. Up, oh, your sound's gone. Good. Up, oh, there you are. Okay. So I would just be completely, you know, distraught and numb you know, from the things that I was going, I would do this walk every day. But finally, one day I was out on that, that walk and I came to God and I said, look, I've tried everything. All my money's gone. I've done everything these doctors have told me to do. I took all the medication they told me to take. I've done every step. I, I've come to you. I got saved. I, I'm in church every, you know, every week, three times a week, every time they open the doors. Like I've done all this stuff and I, I'm at the end of me and I don't know what else to do. And at this point in time, I'd, I'd forgot who I was beforehand. Like, I forgot what it was like to, to, to actually live a day without a panic attack. Like, I didn't even know that person. Like, I, I had it so long, I'd almost just forgot, you know, what peace felt like. And I said, if you don't heal me, I'm done. This is what I, what I told God. I said, now, I don't have anything to offer you. The only thing I have to, to give you is this. If you heal me, I'll go out and tell the world who did it. That's all, that's all I can do. And yep. boom, it was like, okay, that's what God needed. That's he needed what I had that, to it, do. Yeah, he needed that invitation. Like people, you know, God is all, all powerful, can do anything, but he still needs our invitation. He still needs us to make the choice. We're not robots, right? We have to make that choice. And from that point on, he began to work on me. He brought me the right therapist. Um, now, I still, here, here's the thing I want to clarify. I still had to go through two or three years of struggle and warfare. It wasn't yeah. like, okay, boom. You, you're healed. No, I still had some work to do. That's how it was with me. Exactly. You know, with our story, you know, uh, first off, we'll back up a little bit. You kind of really hit me hard here a little bit with your story that I didn't know about. Um, back when my, my mom passed away six months after um, we married, but we were, um, my mom had a doctor's appointment and she'd been in pain for a while, for a couple of weeks. And she's like, no, I'll wait for the doctor's appointment. I'll wait for the doctor. No big deal. Well, we, my wife and I were taking her to get to doctors and she's in all kinds of pain. She goes, we get her to the doctor's office and she's got stuff all over her. She's done um, fluids coming out of her left and right. And the, and the nurses tell Sandy, get her ER. We, there's nothing we can do. So she's in the car complaining. And my selfishness was trying to tell her to shut up. Mm, yeah. And, and because, of course, you don't know that that's your last moments right, with her. Right, you know, right, so right. I'm like freak. I'm trying to drive. I can't really drive, you know, you know, and I'm freaking out. But at the same time, I'm yelling at her, not realizing 
that she's dying. We get to the hospital and I remember we're there and they got her stabilized. Seems to be fine. And we've been there all evening. And I, and I we asked the doctor, you know, because we had no food all day. So do you think it would be okay if we went home, grabbed the bite to eat and come back? Uh, and they, oh yeah, she'll be fine. No, no big deal. I mean, she, she's fine. She's going to get through all this. Because uh, nobody really knew what was wrong with her at this point. Right, right. And so we get home. It's about midnight. And I'm, I'm eating some stuff. Get a phone call. Says, you better get here. I told Sandy on the way home she's dead. I already knew. I, I, I knew mm. she. So we weren't there. So so the last words that really were said to her was all this yelling from me and a and then I remember, and I've had, like I said, I've had addictions all my life for 19 years, but they were, but they were kind of addictions where if things were going good in life, I wouldn't drink as much if they were going bad in life. So because my wife and I just married, we we're in that honeymoon phase, everything was going good. I right. really was not um, doing a lot of drinking and drugging at that point. Then the guilt, because now I've got all this guilt on me that my last moments with my mom mm. was me yelling at her. Mm -hmm. And I went, that's when it went really downhill for the next five years of our marriage or four and a half years of our marriage. And that was, it was just so much guilt. And like you said, when God told me I was healed December 26, 2007, I mentally, I was not. I still had like a two year, I mean, I didn't no longer desire the alcohol and drugs. That was gone. That part was fully healed. But it was, then I still had to work on me. Right. Then after about two years, around 2010, we found church again. And we started going to a lot of marriage things. Now I realized, okay, God used me, used her to heal me. It was now my turn to heal her from the pain I caused her. So now another guilt was coming on me. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day that this changed as I sat her down, because again, we've been doing a lot of marriage stuff at this point. I told Sandy, I was like, okay, I know I caused a lot of pain in those addiction years with you. I need you to tell me everything I did and tell me how you felt. Cause I mm. knew that she needed this. I knew I probably wasn't going to like what was going to be said, but I knew she needed this to start her healing process. And I remember as she started to tell me everything I did through those beginning years, I'm sitting there thinking about 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in, okay, what have I done? I done, you know, I done opened up a monster here. That's my thought. I, 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 I promise I wouldn't say anything. So mm -hmm. I'm sitting there in my head saying, OMG, how mm -hmm. did she stay with me? You know, mm -hmm. through all this. I mean, now granted, I, ne I never cheated on her. I never hit her. So that was, you know, but every other line I pretty much did cross. Mm. And she's telling me this and that. And, but that's what she needed. She finally had her say come out. And that was the moment that changed our marriage. Amen. The truth shall set us free, right? Yep. That's what the word says. Word says. I can understand, um, exactly what you're saying about, about the mother and carrying that guilt because um, about the seventh or eighth day, my daddy was in the ICU with the, with the, from the stroke condition. He, uh, I was wore down, you know, being in the hospital 20 hours a day and I'd run home, catch a one or two hour nap and I'm back. I mean, literally I wouldn't, 
home just enough to take a shower and take one hour and come right back. And by about the seventh, eighth day, my body was completely wore down mentally and exhausted. And I remember he, uh, he had been taking a certain kind of medicine for his blood pressure and all that. And because of the stroke, he couldn't take it um, oh, wow. that he had. So about day eight, he became very uh, violent there in, in, in the hospital room. Like the nurse was trying to get him to sit down and calm down. And he, he didn't know where he was at, you know, mentally um, because of the stroke and confused and all kinds of things. And um, I remember being so frustrated and saying things there in that moment, you know, like, cause I'm just exhausted too. And, yeah. and, and, you know, trying to, trying to figure out how to deal with it was just too much. And, and the guilt, you know, looking back in those days, I was like, man, I wish I hadn't have said that, you know, um, and things like that, that, that you just don't know, Hey, you don't know what's coming and, and we're using or saying stuff or doing stuff and don't realize, you know, how it's going to affect it, you know, us down the road. But luckily the day that, that my daddy died, he was able to, to articulate that he loved me. And I was able to say it back as he was going in that 10, 10, um, 10 minute decline there. I was able to at least say that a bunch of times and him and to hear it back from him. Um, so I knew, I mean, I always knew my daddy loved it. It was never a question, but, um, you know, you just don't want, like you said, you just don't want to go out like that, you know? And I always tell these people today, every time you talk to somebody, remember, man, it might be the last time we take for granted the seconds and days and minutes that we get to spend with people. Especially this last year. Yeah, we, we we don't own. I, I say this: we don't own our loved ones. We just lease them because you know when they come and go, it's not up to us, and and we don't know that last second or that last minute we're gonna have the last time we're gonna you know have that conversation. So let let's make sure we let those that that we care about let them know that we love them, and let's do it every day and make sure a day doesn't go by where we don't articulate that because we just don't ever know. You know, we don't want to carry that guilt around, man. I wish I'd have said because there's so many things that I wish I could have told my daddy. Yeah, like, you know, here. I had 12 days, but he wasn't able to communicate really with me during those 12 days because of the the stroke. So I mean, there was so many things. I, you know, looking back, I wish I would have said, "Hey, thank you for this. Thank you for that. You did so much for me." And we were on a, we were on good terms when that happened. But I could just imagine if we weren't, because there were some times that we weren't. What if that would have happened during those times? So yeah. uh, I'm I'm blessed that you know that that that's not the way it was. So I can definitely relate to you know the guilt and and the things that you wish we we could go back and change, man. You know, a lot of I remember when we first married. Um, we met on February second of '02 online, and that was of course back when it was taboo. I gotta charge this. Okay. <laughs> but that was back when it was taboo and all that. Right. And right. um, because everybody meets now online. Right. Seems right. Like. Yeah, but um, we met February 2nd. We talked on the phone for the first time February 4th. February 18th, we set a wedding date. And March 4th, we met in person. So we were meeting to see who we were going to marry. Wow. And wow. we just knew God was here. Now, we didn't know the struggles that were about to come. But we just, I mean, we had a connection from day one. And that connection's never ended. I think that's what kept her. She, she always knew God brought us together for a purpose. Amen. And I think that's what kept her strong in those beginning years. But before the my mom's, I remember on my mom's um, funeral, we're sitting there. You know, a lot of people kept telling us we were stupid. We did this. We shouldn't have married so quick we, and all that. And I remember the moment that I already knew that God brought us together. But I, but this really confirmed that we were at the funeral. My grandma comes up to Sandy and thanks her. And she says, for what? And she says, Chris's mom 
the last six months have said that this has been the happiest months of her life since Sandy's been a part of it. And that tells me that we were supposed to move as fast as we did. We were supposed to meet the way we did mm -hmm. and all that because we were supposed to give my mom her last six months of her life, the happiest moments. Amen. Amen. God still moves, man. God still yep. moves. He, he, uh, he's the greatest chess player there's ever been. He sets the moves up and, and you're looking at the board of your life and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. It looks like I'm done. And he's got another move and he's got another move. And next thing you know, man, you're right where you need to be. And the people that you need in your life are right where they need to be. And he's just amazing. God is good. Yeah, he is. And, and, and you know, a lot of people, they think that we have to, that, oh, if God was real, you wouldn't go through this. But you know, mm -hmm. when you look through the Bible, he never says you won't have pain. He says he will be with you. Like with Daniel, you know, God didn't deliver Daniel from his circumstances. He delivered him through his circumstances. Amen. Amen. That's the part people don't get. They miss that one part because where there is pain, there's always purpose. Yeah. I mean, the, the struggle that I went through is what molded and prepared me for today. You know, I always say this trials and tribulations sow the seeds for greatness. You know, every, you know, trauma, every tragedy, every struggle that we go through, that's a, a mirror held up to us to show us who we are and who we can be, you know, and mm -hmm. without the struggle, um, I wouldn't be here today. I, I, I wouldn't have wrote this, this um, book right here, Blessed and Unstopped. I wouldn't have wrote that had I not went through that struggle. I wouldn't be here today talking to you had I not went through the struggle. Now, I'm not saying I want to go back and do it again. Like, I'm not <laughs> exactly. saying that the seven years, but I'm, I'm going to say this right here, that I would not be here today without the struggle. Um, I've even got a message about I call uh, call myself the product of the struggle. You know, this yeah. this is the molding and the finding. And the more we go through the fire, the more refined we become. And and yep. that's a uh, you know that's a, a fact that I've learned in my life that most of the the breakthroughs that I that I've uh, I, I've had have been through some moment of crisis. You know, because the crisis kind of forces us to do sometimes what we won't do on our own. You know, mm -hmm. we, we like to be comfortable just by nature. As humans, we like to stay comfortable. Let's get comfortable. We get comfortable couches and chairs and beds and cars and all that. Where everything is is built for comfort. But success, you know, and greatness requires being uncomfortable. What's the level that we are willing to be uncomfortable? And sometimes uh, we're not moving fast enough. And, and we need the, the trials and tribulations to, 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 to shove us into a place that we wouldn't go otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and everything's God's timing. That's the part that people don't get to. Because because I remember um, I was part of a business back in the early 90s. And they had people speak on stage and all that. And I caught that motivation um, little um, gig there. And I was like, I want to do that one day. Little did I know it would be 30 years later mm -hmm. to where things are starting to fall into place to where I had to go through a lot of pain. Cause again, back then when I first caught that kind of vision, who would, I mean, I had no, I mean, I had pain from a little, I mean, I was molested when I was young, so I did have pain, but I didn't have the fight through struggle, the wins and all that, mm -hmm. you know? And so I didn't really have a story. So I had to take from there, spend the next 30 years, 19 years of it on, on drugs and alcohol, uh, you know, like you said, don't want to go back. No, right, don't, don't, right, don't right. want to go back. I've right. done enough. 
Um, but spent that there. Went, we, I mean, since Sandy and I have been married, we probably launched 100 business ideals that all failed. But we mm. learned something with each one Amen. Um, before they failed. But again, we've just been doing this and doing this. And our whole story is about just keep going. Uh, you know, my my favorite verse is um, Galatians 6, 9. Do not get weary and well-doing for in due season. season. We shall reap if you if you're if you don't lose heart, Amen. that's been the hardest part is it's like we go through, we go through and, and we're like, oh, the, the breakthrough's coming mm-hmm. and then it crashes and mm-hmm. then we go again and go again. And, and, but, you know, something that we've always had in our marriage is faith that, you know, like, I mean, we just told you our story of how we met. I mean, it takes pure faith to believe that God brought us together. And and we spent less than twenty days face to face together, but we're we're going to be married. So we in eight months we married, but we were only together face to face because she was in Kentucky, I was in Georgia, for tw- less than twenty days. You know, but we just knew. We, and you know, I've always had this. Even before I turned my life to Christ, I always had this some faith in me, and I never knew whatever it came from. And I remember at our church state when we first started our church back in two thousand ten. That they gave um, when you're becoming a new member, they give you this, um, this gift assessment. And number one on there was faith. I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, right, I'm still right, like, right. for some reason, I'm like, for me, it just always come natural that, you know what, I just, I just, I just want to believe. And Amen. I think that that's where our country is right now, is people have lost that belief. They've lost that hope because, you know, when you look back, where there is no hope, there there is no there, where there's no um, hope in the future. There's no power in the present. But where That's there's right. hope in the future, there's power in the present. That's and right. Our, and we as people have lost that hope. And and since the whole COVID stuff, I believe that there's going to be more reason for people like you and I that want to speak to have a place to make our mark for God. Amen. Amen. God put it in my spirit a while back and, you know, brought some some understanding of going through the struggle. It's like in order to to speak to the lost and to speak to the broken and speak to the ones going through trials and tribulations, you must understand the language of the struggle. You must learn the language in order to speak the language to be able to help people in the struggle. You must go through it yourself so that you can learn that language and be able to connect. And and I didn't quite understand that going through because nobody loves going through that. Like you said, we don't <laughs> want to. I wouldn't wish my you know my my worst enemy to have to go through you know what I went through. But yeah. but like I said before, you know I wouldn't be here today doing what I do um, without that struggle. You know, and and, and faith is so important. You know, destiny is obligated by universal law to concede to the demands of unwavering faith. We just get up every day, like you said, and just keep going. Yes, we're going to take some some losses. Yes, we'll take some defeats, but we will keep on moving because that's who we are. We've got that faith inside us and we know who's behind us and we know who's behind us. We can keep getting up off the mat. You know, greatness stalks those who can persevere. Mm-hmm. It goes around all day and say, who who can get knocked down on the mat and we'll just keep getting up? Who's that person? Let me come to that person. Right. And, you know, and, and we always hear the story about diamonds were made under, you know, severe pressure. And so is greatness. Greatness is, is the same way without the without the pressures 
And the comeback stories, we wouldn't be talking about, let's say, Tom Brady being the greatest of all time. Yep. Why do we call him that? Because he knows how to come back. He's not always the front-running quarterback where you know he just dominates the game. But come at the end of the game, he's going to be the last one standing. How about the story of Kentucky Fried Chicken? You know, right. I mean, this guy retires, realizes he can't live on it. Then they're building, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, they're building a roadway through his house, around, basically, yeah, around, around it. it where, and, yep. and he, but he knew he had this great chicken recipe. And he knocked on over a thousand doors. Now, now, who would do that? The perseverer person would. Amen. See, see, the enemy, our, our spiritual enemy, adversary, gets up every day and asks this question: What does it take to break you? You know, if I attack them, if if I attack their health. Will they lay down and quit and give up on that dream? If I attack the marriage, if I get them on uh, addiction and drugs, if I put them in prison, if I get them fired at work, if I attack the kids, whatever it is, what does it take to break you? The enemy's asking this question all day long. And as a believer, we should never break. We should never give up. As long as we got breath in us, we should still be fighting. You know, every single day. There's so many stories, like you you mentioned there about uh, Colonel Sanders. the seventh step that I teach in my seminar is on perseverance. And I use the, the Galatians 6, 9, as you said, for the verse for that. But going through through the, the study, I remember reading about this lady named Miss Cha. She was from South Korea and she was trying to get her, her driver's license. Right. But she kept failing the written portion. She failed the written portion 949 times before wow. she passed it. But see, in her family, it was a disgrace if she didn't complete the task. It wasn't a disgrace to fail, but it was a disgrace to to give up. So she got up every single day, five days a week, and and took the bus across town, paid for the driver's license test, failed it, paid to to, to ride the bus back home. And she did this for over three-something years before she finally um, passed it. And I would say, well, what if she gave up on 948? You know, what if she gave up just one, 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 one test too early? You know, she, she wouldn't have done it. And the same thing with, with, uh, there's, there's, there's two authors, um, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. They wrote the, the, the book, um, Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul in the yeah. series. They sent that book off when they first completed the first one. It, it's a series now with, you know, hundreds of books, the chicken noodle soup for positive thinking and healing and all, all different types of, of themes. But the original book they sent off to publishers and got denied 144 times before somebody said yes to that book. Now, that book series has sold 500 million copies. Copies, not money, copies, right? So figure $20 a, a copy times 500 million. Are you talking about $10 billion? Now, what if they give it up on 143? Yep. And, and you know, speaking of the perseverance, you know, and, and the power of a woman too and wife, I remember a story. I hope I get this one right because if I don't, somebody will probably correct me down the road. Um, but if I remember the story right, a guy comes home upset. He got laid off or fired from his job. They, now he knew there's just no way they're going to make it. And as when he comes in, he's depressed. His wife asks him what's going on. He tells her, tells her, and she said, great, you can write that book finally. And he goes, but you don't understand. We don't have any money. Um, how am I going to write a book when I can't bring any money in? So she pulls him to the back room and pulls a drawer out full of money. And apparently she's been, she knew one day he was going to write that book. She knew it. 
And so she kept, you know, instead of getting the more expensive makeup, she bought the cheap stuff and pocketed the difference and put it up. And so every little place she could script, she'd put it up. And she had, she probably had enough for them to live on a year or two um, without worrying about his income. And so he got to write the book. And if I remember, I hope I get this right. But if I remember correctly, it was the Scarlet Letter. Amen. That's and, awesome. And, you know, and again, the power of belief, the power of somebody believing in you. Amen. Amen. I live in Orlando, um, you know, and this town was built by basically, you know, Walt Disney. And I was doing some, some history on him. He he got fired. He was a cartoonist at a newspaper and got fired under the terms of a lack of imagination. And I just think, what if this man had quit? This whole this whole city would would be just an orange grove. Like this whole area was just orange groves. And I'm, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of lives impacted and and affected because of this man. Because you know the wow. hotels are here, right? The the the, the airports, the planes, the the everything industry wise, uh, tourism wise is all built around his dream that he didn't give up on. Now you know, and we think a lot of times if you know. If we give up, it just affects us. But we don't realize sometimes the massive impact that what our dream uh, means to others. Like this yeah. wasn't just about Walt Disney quitting. All those other people were going to become reliant upon him and, and their lives and, and, and their kids' lives, where they go to school, where they go to college. All that was going to be affected by this man not giving up. So sometimes we have to realize, look, i got to keep going because it's not just about me. God's got something bigger. And if I give up on this, how many other lives are going to you know, be affected because I gave up? You know, and we've got to think like that. And it, it's hard to do sometimes in the middle of the struggle. Though. We can't see it. You know, the, the evidence is not there. The, the things aren't happening. And, and it looks like we're moving further and further away from the goal. That's the thing. Sometimes I'll, I'll set a goal. You know, I'm going to achieve this. And, and the next week I will be going in the other direction, like going the opposite of what I set out. And I'm like, this is not right. What happened? How am I going the other way? But I've come to understand that the enemy knows when, when you set out to get something, he has to get you right away. Mm -hmm. yep. He's got to, uh, because if you ever take root, if, if the roots in you ever dig in the ground and, and, and really plant themselves toward that dream, he's done. So he's mm -hmm. like, when, as soon as you sow that dream, that first seed, he's got to get that seed right then and get you to come out of faith yep. right, right then. Right. He's got to get you to come out there because you believe you sow the you sow the seed like I'm going to get victory in healing or victory in recovery or I'm going to build this business. I'm going to get this funding. And, and in the very honeymoon stage, you have that faith and you plant that seed. And if he doesn't get it, then he's done. So a lot of times what will happen is as soon as we dream, the attack will immediately come on to us. Now, now when I see that attack. I you get know. bolder. I get bolder because I know you wouldn't be attacking me right now if you didn't know this thing was a threat to you because the enemy only attacks that which he fears. So yeah. his mere his 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 attack is just mere confirmation that what we would what we're trying to do is is going to impact something in a positive way and he's trying to disrupt yeah. that. So instead of getting discouraged in these moments when when you start to dream and things start coming say hallelujah. You, yeah, say okay, you just show me that I'm a threat to you. You just show me that. So now let me take another step in faith because now I'm even, I know I'm even closer than I thought I was, right? Yep. He's just confirmed for us. What I couldn't see, his attack is all the evidence you need. The enemy's Amen. attack is all the evidence you need to know that is going to happen. So just stay in faith. Somebody, somebody out there needs to hear this right now because you're going through attack right now and you're saying, yep. hey, well, was I wrong about the dream? No, you weren't wrong. The enemy is just confirming that you were right all along. And Keep God's going to use it. 
That's because right. here's something I've realized too with our show. I've got people now private message me um, from time to time because they've seen before the show Amen. where we did nothing and they see what we've done in the last year and who we've had on the show. And there, and I've had people reach out and say, how are you getting these people on the show? I was like, only mm. God. Uh, there's no way we could go from net, having zero, zero radio experience, zero TV experience, Zero anything experience, no money, no nothing. I mean, when people hear our story one day of while we're doing this show, um, what we've had to go through even in the show, they're going to be really surprised. While we're interviewing people like a Randy Travis and Sarah mm-hmm. Evans and all mm-hmm. that. Um, but people keep reaching. I've had, yeah, I've even had podcasters say, how are you getting these people on your show? I'm like, I don't know. It, got, it has to be God. But, you know. When I first started this show, the dream was to be a country music um, interview show. That's what it was. That's, that was our roots. And then it, and then all of a sudden, God broadened that vision, and the vision became a music show, then an entertainment interview show. And as scary as this sounds for me, I now feel like we're heading towards because of the people that we're connected to now, to a Kelly Clarkson slash TV show, interview mm. show. Amen. And, and people think I'm crazy for this, but I'm sitting there like, you know what? If you watched God this last year do it to show what we've watched, you would believe anything. <laughs> right. He has to do that with, with, with people like us that, you know, on the surface, the world wouldn't think was qualified to do something. Right. Because yep. if we could do it, then there would he be qualifies no really... the unqualified. Right. But there'd be no glory in it. You say, oh, yeah, that's another person who's qualified. That's, you know, that's what. It... But when, when, when he takes people like us that the world might say wouldn't belong in this genre or this area or something, or we don't have the background or we don't have the education or the money resources or the networks and we came from nothing. And when it happens, he's the only one that can get credit for it. See, so as long as um, the person is willing to give God the glory when the promotion comes, he will bless anybody who will give him the glory, man. And he and he does this all the time. He takes people um, like I get this thing with motivation. I, I don't look like the typical um, motivational speaker. And I struggled with this in, in the beginning of my career. 17, I, I had written the book and, and released the book. Um, I had some videos go viral, like millions, of, millions of views, oh, wow. which started selling this book. And it's been sold in over 29 countries now. Now, as soon as that started happening, the call started coming in, like wanting me, you know, to book me here, book me there, big money. But at this point in time, I hadn't bought all the way in on God, right? I was like, God, I know this is not me talking. You know, the, the words are yours, right? Because I'd come out of the struggle and he was putting me in position to honor the prayer that I had, had committed to, which was, if you healed me, I'll go out and tell him who did it, right? So he, now he had to provide a platform for me to go out and tell people who did it, right? I didn't get that, but he was putting me in position like, okay, I brought you out of this now. Now you got to go tell him what you told me you was going to tell me, right? So I'm like, okay, it's, it's coming, but I didn't buy into me. I'm like, okay, I know the words I'm saying, this is beyond me. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. It's not yeah. me. The words yeah. in the book are not me. I, I, I couldn't have done that. I'm not that good. It's him, right? So I knew that, but I just didn't buy the package. I'm like, Lord, you, you know, you put the gift in the wrong person. Like, they're not going to buy this from me. Look at me. Like, I got the gold teeth. I got the hat. I come from the <laughs> rap world, and, and you're placing me on stages that people wouldn't normally see a person like me, and why is this happening? And for the first 18 months of my career, I put no picture out on social media. I had a logo wow. because I was embarrassed of me, and I hadn't bought in on him. I had what we call a mirror problem. 
Like, yeah, yeah, I had a problem. You look at a person in the mirror, and you're like, I just don't the understand. enemy is attacking your mind, and you just right. Didn't realize. right. He was saying I wasn't good enough, and I wasn't qualified. And who do you think you are? And he was right. I'm not qualified, and no, but I'm God not good is. enough. But God is. That's right. And God still moves. And I had to buy into that. And God had to work. It was almost 18 months before I actually said, "Okay, Lord, I'm ready." You know, I'll try it your way. You know, and I, I, I gave up. 300 something, maybe 400 something thousand dollars in speaking gigs because people would call and say, Hey, we'll give you, you know, 20 grand for, you know, 15 minute keynote. And I'm like, Nope, I'm booked. I wasn't booked. I just oh, didn't well. believe in me. I had, a, I had a mirror problem so bad. I didn't want to disappoint these people, right? Because I was like, They hadn't seen me. They love my stuff. But, you know, you know, I hadn't bought in on me. Wow. I hadn't bought in on God all the way. Like, I knew the gift wasn't mine. I knew the knew the writing wasn't mine. I knew it was all him. I just would not bow down and submit that, hey, you know, you don't have to look the way they think you need to look or act the way or have the resources in that as long as you know who your God is. That's the most important thing. It, it's better to be nothing and know who your God is than to be everything and have no clue of him, right? And 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 I had been broken down to nothing uh, going through that struggle, and and he had to put me back together again. You know, because I still had an image problem, the guilt problem for my dad. And he had to work each one of those layers and pull them off of me one at a time, one at a time. Well, that sometimes was a hard... you've got to break so that he can put the pieces back. That's right. And and, and I was, what I, what I say, wounded but not broken, right? Yeah. Wounded, because we think we're, we'll say that, I say that sometimes just out of the top. But God would correct me. No, 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 no. You're not broken. You're wounded. And I can heal that wound. Let me show you what I can do. But the, I got to that point where I finally said, okay. I've got, I've got to turn it over to you. This is your calling, it's your dream. I made the promise. Okay, it's all you. And then he began to send me out. And he, and just as his word promises, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And and with like the the reason you're experiencing so much growth and and doing things that others couldn't do is because you're in the center of your calling, the anointing, right? And people outside their anointing trying to do what you you're, you're doing would not have that kind of success. But when you're in the center of God's calling, all things are possible. Doors that you and I couldn't open all of a sudden just be, become blown off the hinges. An opportunity will come to us because we're in the center of what we're called to do. Now, everybody out there listening to me right now that's listening, you have a calling on your life, some kind of calling, right? Now, just some people... It's podcast. Some people, it's, you know, live speaking. Some people, it's YouTube. Some people, it's TV, radio, whatever it is. We have a specific calling, a specific calling. Now, to be the most successful and to be the most uh, effective, you have to be in that calling. You can't be doing somebody else's calling. Like, mm -hmm. I, I like Michael Jordan and I like LeBron James, but that's not my calling, right? <laughs> Some people, because they'll, they'll mix they'll mix up, like, hey, I, I, I love this person or I admire what this person does, and they'll mistake that for a calling. Like, oh, I really love basketball. But you're not called to do that, you know? You're called to coach or you're called to, you know, be a musician or whatever it is. Whatever God's called you to do, that's where you have to be. That's where you're going to feel the most alive, the most whole, the most complete, the most effective, the most prosperous. It's going to come out of that center of your calling. Anything you need in life can be attracted by you moving to the center of that calling. And, 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 and I say this to people in recovery. There's no drug, no high, no alcohol, no sex that can compare to being the center of God's calling. That high is eternal. It lasts. It's not that little five minute high, that 10 minutes high like we used to do back in the club. It's not that. This one just lasts and lasts and lasts, and you never want to let go of it. And Amen. every time when you get in the center of it, it you know, like 
in the old world, in the old drug life, when we'd be in that experiment with that, it seems like you, you took the drug one time and then every time the high was less and less and less and less, right? Yep. And this one, it's greater and greater and greater every time we do it. Every time we get in the center and he starts moving, you feel him even more than you did the time before. And it just becomes all consuming where you never want to leave that thing that God has called you to do. Whatever it is, if you want to be successful, you got to find that place. You got to find the center of it. You got to ask God, what have you called me to do? What is my thing? What is it? What is my story? What is what? What do you want me to do with my life? What are my gifts? Show me. Pull the scales off my eyes and show me what I'm here for. Because every single one of you out there listening right now, you have a purpose. God has a plan for you. There's a reason for you for your being here. There's a gift that you have that no one else can give to the world but you. That's it. Only you. You're special. You're not just another number to God. God knows you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and perfect. You just don't understand that. But once you come into that understanding of that, God can use you in amazing ways. And he will. He will honor that. You know, talking about that, that's like I remember our very first episode on January 3rd of 2020. Scared to death. Because, again, like I told you at the beginning of the show, we put it off and all that. And I'm scared to death. And I remember after it was over, I told Sandy, I know I'm supposed I Maybe I won't mm -hmm. be supposed to do this many years down the road. I don't know. But I know. Without a doubt, I am supposed to do that. And Amen. that's why 300 interviews last year came simple. It just came. We've had so many great people. We're getting great people. we got some great that's people right. coming this year. And then, and then now, as I'm looking into the future and looking into one day being a TV interview show and seeing the, my ultimate vision of us sharing our story on the stages of the world, I'm sitting here like, okay, I, it's coming together because this show is giving us the credibility Right. To now, eventually, to where we can share our whole story Amen. with the glory of God on a stage. Because before the show, um, yeah, we went through a lot. And we had a lot of pain. And we went through it. And we made it through that. But we didn't do anything great. God, right at that point, and, and you know, God healed us and all that. I don't, I don't want to take that away from that, that. We were healed and all that. But you know how people are. They want to see something tangible mm -hmm. if, they're gonna, if you're going to be called to be on a stage. And so it was like, all of a sudden now we got this show that we don't know what we're doing, but, and we've got people like Randy Travis, Ali Brooke, um, the actor, legendary actor, Ed Asner, uh, you know, we've got, um, the motivational speaker, um, the pro basketball player, Walter Bond coming on later this month. You know, so all of a sudden we got, and we've got the, the former, um, CEO and founder of Chipotle coming on next week. So all of a sudden we got all this that's happening for a show that we do that we shouldn't be able to do because God has blessed something in us that's making something work. And now all of a sudden we're creating some type of credibility where eventually we'll get to the point where we'll be able to get out there and tell our story on stage. Amen. See, he, he honors his promises. He said, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. I'll bless all the work of your hands. See, and, and also what you're doing here, too, what, what some people 
miss in this whole equation is um, to do big things. It takes perfect, you know, perfection. You have to perfect the craft, right? Like if you're going to get on stage and by you doing these 300 interviews day, you know, each week and, and as it goes, you're perfecting the gift. Now God gave you the gift, but we still must perfect that which yep. God has given us. And what like he's doing is the heart, right? He's bringing these people to you to perfect that craft. So when he puts you on that stage, you'll be ready when you get there. You know, there's the anointing, but we also have, he's got the other laws too that we have to align with, right? The, the grind, the hustle, the, the, yeah. the, you know, perfection, what I call RC reps and consistency, doing it over and over and over and over. And what people call genius. And, and it really, gets tiring. Right. What, what Next what, week we got 17 interviews. See what people call genius. A lot of times just mask is really hard work. Right. We call it genius, but we forget the hard work that went behind that. Like you said, 17 interviews. That's that's a lot of grind. That's a lot of time, you know, and, and a lot of people are not really uh, willing to dedicate themselves, you know, so extensively like that in order to taste that greatness. But the only way to greatness is blood, sweat and tears. You can't buy greatness with Bitcoin. Right. I say this on my video. You can't buy it with Bitcoin. It's blood, sweat and tears. That's the only currency accepted for greatness, man. And, and I commend you for that. And some of you out there listening, you need to hear this part. You've got the gift. God has given it to you. But you got to commit that work behind. It. You got to put some effort behind it and, and get in there every single day and do your craft until you perfect it. They say mastery takes 10,000 hours of doing something in order to become a master yep. at it. And I always add it one more level. I say uh, 20,000 hours to become a legend at it. Which one you want to be? You want to be wow. good? Let's don't stop at good. Let's let's keep going. Right. Ain't no reason to stop at 10. If we go on, let's go all the way. So. But yeah, it, it, there's there's no replacement for that. You have to put that that sweat and that yeah. time in. And sometimes you're putting the work in and you don't know it because um, that's what happened with us. Like, you know, in 18 years of our marriage before this show, um, I re remember so many times we would be on the street and we'd run into some. And I'm not talking about running into a friend. I'm talking running into strangers. Right. And me and that stranger would be two, three minutes in it. If if the conversation went deep at all. Sandy would get upset a little bit because she would know we're there 60 minutes. No ifs, ands, buts about. We could have a meeting coming up in 30 minutes, but we're not, we're, we're going to be late because <laughs> when I get in that conversation, I get heavy, I get deep and, and it's always 30 to 60 minutes. And, and we did that. And I did this thousands of times mm, in our 18 exactly. years. And now we laugh about it because we look back and we're like, Oh, that was training ground for the right. show. You're now right. the show's training ground for the next level, which is the speaking. That's right. Steve Jobs said it best. He said, "You you, you can't ever um, put it together looking forward. Put the dots together, right? But looking back, all the dots will, will come together, and make sense. And, and like you you doing those uh, just run-ins with with strangers and, and and doing those conversations prepared you along the way. And the same thing in my life. I saw all kinds of instances. I was uh, five years old, six years old, and and my parents were in Amway. And yep. they, they used to take me to all the big That was the business I talked about earlier. Okay, okay. Well, I, I would be sitting on the front row, five, six years old, listening to the greatest motivational speakers in the world at these big conventions that they were having. I didn't even know. I'm five, six years old here in Zig wow. Ziglar back in the day and didn't even know it. You know, wow. and then when I was in, in, in high school football, I won the most spirited player on the team. Of course, that's what I'm called to do. It's my path. I was the one that fired everybody up. And, you know, you just don't put two and two together. But when you look back, you're like, oh, this makes total sense. This is who I've been all along, you know, but yeah. but going through it, sometimes our, our, the scales are on, you know, and, and sometimes those scales are on for a reason because it's yeah. not time yet. Exactly. It's a timing. Like, thing. Right. And, and it's sometimes it's not even about us that the time is not right for us. But the person that needs what we're going to deliver is not ready yet. And if we get there oh, wow. early, we'll miss them. 
So sometimes we get discouraged thinking, oh, well, Lord, why is it not everyone? And we think it's all about us, right? But really, it's like, no, 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 no. I got somebody who's taking a little longer than they should, and they're going to have to be where, where, where you're going to be. So I've got to line these things up. So we, we have to trust them with the time and trust them with the, you know, the assembly of those dots and, and lining the situations up. And I love that because I, I like to tell people that um, your obedience is tied to somebody else's healing. Amen. Amen. Every time we pray for somebody else's healing, then our own healing begins. That's the way it works. That's because, because you know, you, you got this calling on your life and you know it. If every time you don't move forward in it, there's somebody else out there that needed that. That's right. That's and right. And eventually the day enough. can come where God may pull that calling from you. That's right. That that I had to learn that the hard way going through these panic attacks, you know, about five years in after I had, you know, made that commitment to God that, that I was going to do it. I was still going through the struggle every day. And, and I would call my mother a lot of times when, when, when these panic attacks would come on, you know, I'd call her and, you know, kind of just do my wine and why me stuff, you know, the pouting and all that. My mom was, you know, a trooper and she would always be there for me, but she, uh, she knew I couldn't stay like this. She knew I couldn't just keep making excuses and, and, and whining. She knew, Hey, you're going to have to have to get up son, and, and go fight. And I remember I'd call her sometimes, you know, I'd be having a panic attack and I'd call her up and she got to the point where right in the middle of me explaining all my problems, right. <laughs> you know what I was doing? She would yell at me and she'd say, Billy, to get my attention, right? So I'd say, okay. And she'd say, who have you helped today? Mm. Oh, wow. And I would be like, mama, like, I got, I, I just got out of the emergency room for bag and text. And you're saying, who have I helped? And she said, who have you helped today? And I'd say, well, nobody, because I've been sick, you know, myself. Blah, blah. She said, well, here's, here's the deal. I will listen to you anytime you want, but you have to help somebody before you call me. So wow. every day when, when I, I knew I was going to have a panic attack, so I would have to go out literally and find somebody, whether it was the person on the corner needed some money, somebody needed a, I'd be at Walmart, somebody's battery would be dead. I'd pull over and jump them off just so I could say when, when mama said, who have you helped today? I could say somebody because I knew And that trained getting, you for this. She would hang up. She would literally would hang up, like go help somebody and call me back. Boom. And hang up. And I'd have to go out in the world. You know, it could be little things. Like it didn't have to be something, you know, uh, big or massive, but I I had to do something to impact others. And the craziest thing happened, though, see, panic attacks that I was having needed my own um, self-focus in order to sustain themselves. I needed to be focused on me in order for panic attacks to be able to sustain and, and, and you know, have access to me. The moment I started thinking about others, like, who can I help? See, that's a different question, right? Then right. am I going to die today, right? My focus shifted. And when my focus shifted, my emotion shifted, which my action shifted, right? So by just the mere fact of saying who needed my help and what can I do for somebody else, I was robbing my, my panic attacks of the energy needed in order to, 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 to remain controlling uh, over my life, to have that control. So the more people I helped, the better I began to feel. I didn't realize that. I just slowly started coming out because every day I started helping others and all of a sudden... Boom. So I got that revelation that our healing is hidden a lot of times in the people around us. That's where, you know, God hides our healing in somebody else. And when you go heal, help somebody else during their time, all of a sudden, whatever you needed becomes lifted off of you or, or something oh, yeah. will come along to do that. You know, like somebody like maybe maybe you're like, well, how am I going to pay the rent this week? Right. You know, I'm, <laughs> money's bad. And then somebody down the road says, hey, can I borrow five dollars? I'm doing bad. 
And you're like, well, I can't even pay my rent, but I got $5, right? So I give this guy the $5, and then the, the rent guy calls tomorrow and says, hey, you know what? I like what you're doing with the ministry, man. And doing, you know, I just want to donate to your ministry. You don't got to worry about rent this much. <laughs> Boom. But now if you don't give that $5 away, if you don't trust God with that, if you don't help somebody else, that next thing never happens. See, the healing that we need and the, and the things that we need in our own life, they're hidden in those around us. So every day get up and say, who do I need to help? It will change your life. Just that one question. If you ask that one question every single day, your whole life will change. Who can I help today? Who needs me around me? Who can I sow life? Sometimes it's just a prayer. It doesn't have to be monetary. Sometimes it's just walking up to somebody and say, you know what? I love you. I just wanted to tell you that I love you. Or, you know, I, I, I see the work you're doing around here. Let's say at a job place, you know, you know, I appreciate everything that you're doing. Like, I know that that gets overlooked a lot of times, but I just want to tell you, thank you. This place would not be the same without you being here. Just little things like that. Sometimes we don't know what kind of impact that would have on somebody. Because, you know, most it people- it comes back to you. It does. And most people are wearing masks. And I don't mean just COVID masks. They're wearing emotional masks and they come into work with a smile on the face. But on the inside, just like I was when I was going through the panic attacks, they're, they're, they're broken into a million pieces, wounded, right? And they've got this, you know, smile on. And that one word that you say over them could mean- all the difference in the world. You know, I remember um, back in my one of my first trips to Chicago on a plane. I mean, we're coming back and we got, got to, I think it was the Charlotte airport. And we were flying and they had to fly over a few times. So the plane was late. Well, the connecting flight to Savannah was pretty much um, not happening for a few hours because that one already went. And I remember landing. And all kinds of people were upset on that plane because, again, most people on the plane apparently were going to the same direction I was. So right. there was a lot of people. And I remember getting in line to get the ticket changed. And I remember people in front. I mean, they were cussing and this and that and this. And, and I remember that they were giving the counter person all this hell. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not her fault. Right, you know, right, right. and they're but they're like bam, bam, bam. But she became their their punching pain. bag. Yep. And bag. well, I get up there, and I and I tell her because I already you know I tell her that um I respect what you how you've handled yourself. As I've watched everybody, um, you became their their punching bag, and I've never seen anybody stay as calm as you did. I was like, I could, I wouldn't have. I'd have been fired from this job. Um, there's no way I could have done that. So thank you for doing that. And so she stamped my ticket and she said, thank you for acknowledging that. And, and I'm just mostly, cause you know how Charlotte airport is, how it's set up. And I'm just walking, taking my, it's on the gates on the other side of the airport. I'm thinking nothing of it. I'm walking, walking. And because again, I knew that the next flight that was going to be going out was what, like three, four hours later. That's why everybody was mad. And so I, but I wanted to see where the gate was. So I, I got almost to the gate and I seen somebody say, are you Mr. Ben? Yeah. We've been waiting on you. The, apparently a plane waited as, as that lady gave me that last seat. Mm. So it's, no, it was somebody not in that seat. So she looked through the system because I acknowledged all that. And I got to go to Savannah like I was supposed to. Amen. Amen. And, Amen. There's so many situations like that we we miss every day just by not being aware, just not, you know, 
doing our part. There's so many things that we've been assigned to do. And if we just listen to God, he'll show us those. Like, hey, speak something nice to this person. Hey, make a left turn here. It doesn't make sense. Why would I need to make Let's make the left turn. God will show you. Right. You know, and, and it, when I go on these these trips, a lot of times um, I've realized also with the seminars and stuff that I'm doing, sometimes it's not even about the city that I'm going to or the seminar that I'm doing. It's about the person I'm going to meet at the airport. When I'm Amen. sitting there waiting, I'll sit down next to somebody on the plane and, and their son will be going through drug addiction and just trying to kill themselves. And she wants to know what I pray for them. We just right. happen to be talking. She see the Bible on my lap. She said, hey, can you pray for me? Oh, yes. Perfect. This is why God sent me on the trip for this lady. And I'm thinking yeah. it's about L.A. or, you know, like wherever I'm going. The <laughs> city, New York. It's going. No, 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 no. It's about that little lady on the plane. Right. That's that's what it is. And, and if we get up every day and just ask God to show us, um, you know, who around us needs us and to use us, you know, get up every day and say, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm available. Use me today. And he will. If you say this and you sincerely mean it, Lord, use me today. He will send people to you all day long and, and, and you'll never feel better than you do when you when you're being used by, by, by God. I promise you like the world. You know, we don't want to be used by the world, right? But you want to be used by God, I'm telling you, because there's no feeling better than that. It, I'm telling you, the little things, like talking to that little lady there on the plane was 10 times, I got 10 times more out of that than going, you know, speaking to 300 people in Texas. Yep. You know, just that one little lady, because I felt God's presence. Like, this is what you've been assigned to do. And, and, and the crazy thing about it is, if we're good with the small yeah. If we're good, see, most people want the big light, like, you know, they want the limelight. But if we're just a good steward of that little thing that God is going to send to you, he'll give you the world. But we got to be a good steward of that little. And it might not make sense. Like, I, I've got my mind on L.A. and all the, you know, the, the seats and, the, and, and, and what we're going to do about this and the money with that and da -da -da, like all this kind of stuff here. But it's, the, it's all about this little lady here. This is what it's all about. This is what God said. This is what it's all about. It's not about that. Trust me with this right here. And then you, you, you manage this. And when you get to L.A., some big deal falls in your lap. That, you know, you're like, where did that come from? It came from you being a good steward of that little lady. Because if you're not a good steward of small, God can't give you the big because you'll destroy yourself with it. Right. Yeah. So like and, and that's hard to imagine because, you know, like in my my world where I came from, the music, I had these global ambitions. Right. It's be big. It's be massive. The millions of followers and all that. But like like. Even right now, the, the legacy and the dream that God has put in me is impact one billion. But how do you get to one billion? One person, one person. at a time. Right. One person at a time is how we get to one billion. And, and we just have to be a good steward of that. Somebody needs to hear this. You know, you got the global ambitions, but don't forget the little the little ones along the way. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Just be a good steward of that and God will open up the kingdom. Because yeah, if you're too good for the little things, you're you're not good enough for the big things. That's right. That's right. He can't. Here's the question. Can God trust you with the dream that you're dreaming? Oh, come on now. Because see, that's what it is. Can he trust you with the billion people or the million people or whatever? Can he trust you if you get that position? Because why is he going to bless you with something that's only going to be a curse in the end? Come on now. It ain't going to hurt people. That's right. That's right. So we have to we have to learn the, the 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 small and master the small. And once we master the small, the big things will come down to us. But we got to master that small. My daddy used to always say this, too. You know, when you ever get lost in life, go back to basics. Go back to basics. Right. Sometimes we, we get lost in the numbers. We get lost in the, the fame or the, 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 the promotions and acceleration of growth and all this stuff that's going on. Good. We get lost and we forget. 
And we have to go back to that one-on-one, that, that one lady sitting there who needs God's love and needs to see it in us. Get back to basics. And if we do that, all the other stuff, God will take care of it. Amen. And you know, you know when God's part of something, when you look at your sheet and we ain't covered nothing, but yeah, we're in. You know, that, that's when, again, you know, we, I usually go not even not 60 minutes, but I was like, you know what? I can't stop this. There's just too much here. And I'm good. <laughs> you know, but as we come to a close here, um, what's next for you? And we'll finish it out with that. Well, I'm I'm on this tour. I, I've done the first two cities of the 27 um, city tour. We did uh, Miami and Washington, D.C. Uh, next up is Atlanta and then Vegas and then Houston. So I'm just taking it one city at a time and and, and trying to do the same things that we're, we're talking about here. Walk them out every single day, getting up every single day and say, Lord, um, use me today. You know, even before like this, this, this interview here, like I said, Lord, put the words in my mouth. Your word says, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries can gain, say, nor resist. So I ask him to put the words in me for whoever's listening right now. So that the enemy, you know, can't get in the way of them getting what God is trying to get to them and convey to them. Right. So just being, being, uh, being attentive to him and, 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 and remembering it's all about him, even though we continue to grow and, and prosper and thrive, not forgetting where we came from, not, not forgetting the struggle. You know, it's real easy when, you know, we're going through the struggle, we reach out to God and then we get the healing and we get the prosperity and, and we're like, forget. Oh, it's us. Yeah. It's us that did this. No, 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 no. We got to make sure we keep those feet rooted in, in who's really making the dream happen and who's really doing this stuff. And, uh, that, that's, that's the challenge, but getting up every day and saying, Lord, you know, use me and, and, and put me in position and do what, what you called me to do. Cause that's what I did back in, um, when God healed me with it. I said, if you, if you take the healing away, take the desire away, Mm -hmm. I will honor everything with your name. You'll get the, and, and I've tried to do that ever since. Amen. If you listen to my videos now on every, everything at the end, I will say to God at the very end, I'll say to God be the glory. That's, that's the, to honor that promise that I made on that block. You know, this ain't about me at the end. I was like, okay, yeah, he's blessed us and in the calling and we, we've done the hours and hours and people will say it's us. You'll say, oh, it's your gift. No, it ain't my gift. It's God's gift. You know, oh, you did this. Well, I happen to be the one that he did it through, but it wasn't me. It's always yeah. him. It's always, exactly. just keep pointing it back because the enemy is praying for that day that you say, yeah, it's me. He's praying for that. He's waiting for yep. that day. He's waiting he's for got that day. You. He's right. Exactly. He's waiting for that day. So every That's day, your, that'll be your downfall. That'll be the downfall. I learned that 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 was the one thing that I took away um, from ministry school. I went to ministry school as I was, you know, trying to overcome panic attacks as well. I was trying to get deeper in the Word because I wasn't healed. I was like, I know God's truth, you know, is is everything, and and, and it's not a lot. So if I'm not getting healed just in a regular church, maybe if I went deeper, you know, in the word, I, I figured if I go to college, I could learn a little about this. I wasn't trying to be a pastor or minister or speaker or anything yeah. at this point. I was just trying to breathe just to get through the day, <laughs> you know, just trying to get through the day. But one of the stories that the, the, the wise um, elder who was teaching the class said was he, he told me the story about this young pastor who had was had gotten his first speaking uh, engagement at this big, massive mega church. Right. Oh, you know, wow. thousands of people. Now, this man had never even spoken before. So he knew he wasn't qualified to speak there. So he went to God and he's like, you know, I'm not qualified to speak here. I'm too young. I don't know the words. I don't have the message. He was telling God all the reasons why. And uh, God put the words in his mouth. You know, he said, listen, just trust in me. Trust yeah. him. I will speak. So the man gets up there, 
does this amazing message, right? And, and everybody's just blown away by this young guy, you know, had this fire and then, you know, people could not explain. And as soon as the message is done, he begins to walk, you know, off the podium, down to the steps to go meet the people there. And there's somebody waiting right there at the edge of the stair. And they said, that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my 25 years of being at this church. And, and the guy said, yes, it was. Like, and he thought it was all about him right there on that step. Wow. He forgot. He would forgot who made that thing happen. And, and, and the, the elder said, don't you ever forget who made it happen. So it really stuck with me. It really stuck with me. So, you know, as much success as we get, as much money as we get, as many followers as we get, and acknowledgement and shows and all this, at the end of the day, it's all about him. To God Amen. be the glory. So here's time to plug your book and stuff. Tell everybody oh, how they can okay. reach out to you. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you hadn't got the book, be sure to do this. This is a 31-day devotional. It's the blueprint for success. It's called Blessed and Unstoppable your blueprint for success. It's 31 days on the laws of success, God's laws. Each one of these laws that I speak about here, um, for instance, vision, right? Uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. Write the vision to make it plain so he that read it can run with it. That's that's one of the principles in this book. But this will teach you how to use the gift, how to use the word in everyday life to achieve what God has designed and, and laid out for you to do. And, and these steps are, are broken down into daily uh, devotionals take about five to 10 minutes to do. It's an easy read, but it's profound and it will change you. I, every single day, I've got a Bible verse there for you, a positive affirmation there for you, and an action step, right? Because it is about action. Like you said, you had a dream to do this podcast, but you had to eventually take action. And some of us need the action steps, but we don't know what actions to take. You say, I got this really great dream about doing something, but what do I do? I give some small action steps for 31 days. Every day there's a different action step. So you can take one of these and get some momentum going. Because most of the time, um, once we get going, we're okay. But we just it's have to get that started. Yeah, it's problem. like getting started. And then you say, well, where do I start? Well, I've, I've got you 31 things here that you can start with, right? To just, to, just, just to get rolling. And, and, and it's written in a simplistic way because I had read that 90% uh, of books written never get read. Like they'll read the first chapter or, or second chapter, and that's usually where people fall off. So yeah. being a person that's trying to impact lives, I don't want to just write a book for them to read. I, I won't want to write something that's going to impact them and help God um, move them to where they, they're designed to be. I've structured this book in a way that it only takes five, 10 minutes a day. So you can do this every single day and begin to make progress. So if you hadn't got it, be sure to do that. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it at blessedandunstoppable.com. And also if you haven't subscribed yet to the YouTube, do that. I've got 230 plus motivational videos on there. They're all free. The word free doesn't cost a thing. And these messages are anywhere from, you know, 10, 15 minutes to an hour long. So if you're going through midst of, you know, a, a struggle, a trial, a tribulation or a health issue or marriage issue, throw on one of these videos. I promise you by the end of the day, you'll hear God in there, the, the, the power coming through. It's not me speaking, it's him and it will change your life. I promise you. But be sure to check me out. You can get that at youtube.com forward slash Billy Allsbrooks. Love that. And, you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. And we look forward to having you back. Man, I can't wait. It, it was an honor, man, to speak to you and to, and to hear your story. And I, I just can, I just pray over you and, and, and hope that, and wish in full faith that God continues to prosper you and lift Amen. you up so that he can uh, do more and more miraculous things through you and your wife, man. God bless you, brother. We definitely appreciate that. Okay, the 